From the Church of the Nazarene and Mesoamerica Genesis, you're listening to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Worthless Servants Podcast. It's great to be back with you again and I am excited about this topic today. Every now and then we do a scripture spotlight, probably about every five four, five, six episodes, and we really take a passage of scripture that's spoken to us and that has implications. You know that we're a podcast that deals with with missions, culture, and a healthy church, and so uh, we have chosen a passage that deals with that. Before we get into that, um, I told you who I am, but I'm going to introduce some other worthless servants around here. Uh, first of all, across from me, Emily Armstrong. Hey, everyone. Then to my left, Natalie Franco. Hi, guys. And to her left, AJ Fry. Hello. And to my right, Chelsea Fry. Fun facts with Chelsea. Fun fact there's a world record for the most world records. Excellent. Mm. Wait, 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 before like you a tell us. that trains trainers. <laughs> before you tell oh us, let's God. guess who I, has the most world record. Not who, uh, how many they would be. So I would say 49. Somebody has gotten 49. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess. Oh, I think it's more than that. Because, like, Dude Perfect has, like, a ton of world records. I would say, like, 260. Really? Yeah. Because once you start doing I'm, like a basketball bounced, a basketball right. tossed, a basketball, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say five hundred. Oh, what? are we doing You're prices right? Like right, right. closest without going over one dollar, go one dollar. Okay, then I'm saying five hundred and one. Oh, she knows how the game's played. Yeah. Good All job, right, Dan. Chelsea. Uh, so not only wins, it's 700. 700. Really? I Wouldn't won. you have been disappointed if Chelsea didn't know how many it was? <laughs> right. Is this for one person or? Yeah, his um, his name is. Okay, his name is Ashrita Furman. Wow, and he has seven hundred more than seven hundred, um, and it has ranged from heaviest shoes walked in, heaviest <laughs> shoes, three hundred and twenty-three okay. pounds. By the way, what? what? Oh my to goodness! Most some baseballs <laughs> held in a baseball glove, twenty-six. Wow. I feel like I want to try some of these. Scott's literally going to go buy the newest book and see what he can break. (laughs) Emily looked at me and and she knew immediately. I was was like, that's a record? I feel like I can do this. Saw it in his eyes. (laughs) The twinkle in his eyes. My new passion. (laughs) Natalie, have you ever read the Guinness Book of World Records? No. You haven't? Mm -hmm. For years, I don't know if this is still true, but for years, like on the very last page, they always had a picture of the guy with the longest fingernail. And that's what Mm. I always always remember and it was this guy from oh, india no. that had like it was this curling grossly around. long yeah. <laughs> the, the longest Gross. necklace made out of toenails yeah. oh, that's <laughs> not is a that real it should be it should be <laughs> that's one of the guys 700 records <laughs> that could be yours scott oh man no it couldn't scott's shoot too for the stars. <laughs> shoot for the stars well we all make our mark on this world as <laughs> a, 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 in our different ways some of it is through guinness world records But the passage that we have selected today is about making our mark in a different way. So I have not asked anyone to actually read. Does anyone have the the passage in Matthew chapter 25? We're going to be reading from 31 to 46. Now, again, listener, you are going to recognize this passage. But I want you, as AJ is reading it, I want you to just kind of 
keep in mind, wow, what are the implications for a church? What are the implications uh, really, and, wh- and why would we be talking about this as the worthless servants, okay? We're going to dive in, but first, let's hear from AJ. I'm going to read out of the New International Version. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Okay, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, there's a lot here. This is very familiar, as I said before. Let's dive in. What grabs your attention? Um, and certainly, quickly, we can move kind of to implications for our personal lives and and uh, for the church today. I remember I took a class in seminary that was on Matthew. Like We went through the entire book of Matthew. And by the time we got to this part of the passage, the professor really encouraged us to not take this verse out of context. And I think that's the thing that um, I can maybe offer to this conversation of as the church, we need to read chapter 25 with 24 that 24 and 25 are being read together. They're, they're all a part of Jesus teaching about the end times, the, the day and the hour unknown. Um, and it leads into this type of, this ending of which the version of the Bible that I choose to typically read out of is the New Revised Standard. And uh, the title of this passage for me is The Judgment of the Nations. And so I think it's important that, um, I think we're living in a time where it's not in fashion to talk about judgment. It's not something that the church speaks of very often. It's not something that uh, we feel comfortable talking about. However, we do know as the Christian church that that is a part of our theology. And even if it's hard to talk about and it's hard to uh, think about, it's something that 
demands our thought process. It's something that Jesus literally is teaching his disciples before he goes away to be crucified himself. It's one of his last teachings of saying, this is a part, like when you um, become a disciple of this gospel, this is a part of what you need to be teaching and preaching as well. And um, so I just think it's something really important that we need to keep in mind as we're going through this text that it's, I think some people think it's an optional it's an either or, you know, whatever. There's a lot of people nowadays that are like, well, hell doesn't really exist, you know. And I would say that as the Nazarene Church, we do not espouse that view. Um, and so I think we need to understand these passages. I hear this passage specifically when we talk about acts of compassion. And it's almost exclusively used for why we do acts of compassion. However, Jesus is using it in a context of be doing these things, be active as the church. I mean, if you look at the, the passages before it, it's the parable of the virgins and it's the talents. And it's like, be prepared for when I come back. The way that we are prepared as a church is doing these actions. And this is just the third story out of the trilogy of the virgins, the talents, and the sheep and the goats. They all go together of who we are as the church, what we're doing to be prepared in order to face the eternal judgment one day. And we will stand and say, man, when did we do these things? And Jesus will say, when you did X, Y, and Z. And so I just think it's really important that we don't just think about it as like the compassion list, right? We think about it in the context of this is who we are in order to be prepared for that day that will come. Scott, you put in your in your notes to us, like we, we get a little bit of a plan in place to do these episodes. And you put, we say that salvation is faith by faith alone, not by good works. And it is. However, literal judgment and salvation in this parable are tied up in serving and loving others. And that, that comment really stuck to me. Um, I've shared before on this podcast that I didn't grow up Nazarene. Um, but the thing that really drew me to the Nazarene denomination is the, our practice of sanctification, our belief in sanctification. And I think that this passage is pushing us in that direction. It's, it's calling us out into that. I, when I was reading and studying this scripture, I was, um, I was thinking about like, what do I really believe about salvation is by faith alone? What does that mean for my life, my life? And so my, the question that I kept coming back to is what constitutes as faith? So like this, this passage really pushed me in a whole lot of things. Um, and I'm probably getting a little more deep than you want, but I, it, it brought to question, like, can you have faith in God, in our God of the Bible, if it doesn't produce these things, these acts of compassion? Go there, Chelsea. I, yeah. Go there. This is kind of the point of the parable. Right. Like, I, I don't know that you can say you have faith if it isn't producing these things. And I think so often the world is teaching us you just have to believe in it mm -hmm. you just mm -hmm. believe in that and if you believe in it long enough you'll get it how often are, are our young people being taught that think good things for yourself and man manifest things in your yeah, life declare it yeah mm -hmm. declare it wake up every morning and tell yourself you're going to be a millionaire and eventually you'll be a millionaire that's not how faith works 
And and this passage is is being pretty clear about that. I'm sure those people at the end that are like, wait, we didn't see you hungry and, and naked and, and, and all of these things. We, we didn't see you. I'm sure they believed in God. Mm-hmm. But but that's different than faith. That's different than trust. That's different than allowing the Holy Spirit to intervene and and impact you. And so I just that's Well, that's where we need to go with this. I mean, this is the major point of the parable. In a very real sense, the point of Jesus' story is that you won't have eternal life unless you care for others. And I think there's something to be explored in what you just said, that the people don't know. N- neither side actually knows. I mean, the sheep or the goats, you know, the the do-gooders or the people that just were neglecting and, you know, not going to the prison and not giving food away and not clothing any strangers. And, you know, nobody really knew. And I think that's instructive for us because I think a lot of people, if they knew which is ironic now because we do know literally this is in the scriptures and now we are here saying spoiler alert. Yeah. yeah. Like this is a requirement. I mean, it sounds, it sounds kind of controversial in a, by faith alone, by grace alone, um, uh, a culture. And, and (laughs) I don't want to minimize that, but I think Ephesians two can really help us. Ephesians two is, is one of the key places where we read that. um, Well, I'll read the passage right now. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. But we forget sometimes verse 10 that says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. If I could say it another way, no, we're not saved by works. No, we have to proclaim as Christians, have to proclaim that we are saved by grace and by, by, by faith in Jesus alone, not by works. But we are saved, we're not saved by works, but we're saved for works. Verse 10 says, he, we were saved and created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Thus, if we're not doing good works for our for our fellow human beings, that's an evidence that there's not faith in us, like you were saying, Chelsea. Mm. I mean, welcome to James. You know, the whole yeah. book of James is yeah. like nobody likes James. <laughs> yeah, the whole, well, I mean, <laughs> Luther even said it's a, it's a right strawy gospel, <laughs> a right strawy book. I think is what he said. Um, but you know, like people have had trouble with James because oh man, you gotta. Then we say we're not by works, but. It, but in James, like, man, you think you have faith? I, I want you to show it. Show it. Prove it. Yeah, I I think a few weeks ago we did a an episode, and I mentioned um, Beth Moore's vines. And a, a vine in my backyard can say it's a grapevine as long as it wants to say it's a grapevine, but as long as it doesn't produce fruit, I'm not going to believe it's a grapevine. Mm-hmm. I'm going to believe it's poison ivy. And so, like, to me, I... I think the fruit is evident. I mean, it is evidence of the faith. And if it doesn't have the fruit, then it doesn't have the faith. Um, so, I, I don't know. I, I, a lot of the times reference, if there is not fruit in someone, I think it's, I think it's the Lord's way of helping us identify, no, 
don't follow that person. They Their faith is not of me. It's in themselves. It's in something else. And it's okay to say that. Like, it's not a judgment piece of me. I'm not saying this person is not filled with faith. It's the fruit. It's not there. Don't be filled by it. I'm just sitting here listening to everything that you guys are saying. And, and I like what you say, Chelsea, that, well, we've said that our salvation does not come from these works, right? But it's a product of our salvation. It, these, these things that, that Jesus mentions here, like um, greeting the stranger, or clothing the naked, or, or visiting those in prison, uh, giving water to the thirsty, you know, taking care of the sick, all these things um, are the fruit of us following Christ. Um, but I think that a lot of times we get wrapped up in, in reading scripture and putting it into a list of things that we have to do, right? And so we, we pursue those things. Oh, I need to, I need to give water to people. Let, let's, let's start this organization that gives water to people. Oh, I need to go visit people in prison. Okay, every Tuesday I'm going to go visit people in prison. And this is where we find the goats, I think, is that they saw the list and they started doing these things, but they didn't have this relationship with Christ. The relationship with Christ, our vision for the kingdom, needs to be the first thing. And from that, from that relationship, from that vision on the kingdom, is when we just naturally do these things. And we don't realize it. The sheep said, well, when did, when did we do these things? We didn't, we didn't (laughs) didn't realize. Yeah. I didn't even realize I was doing them because they had the relationship and the, the goats (laughs) to say that they're goats. Um, we're like, no, but we did all these things. Why don't we get eternal life? Why don't we get to be in the kingdom? Because you didn't have the relationship. And that's, that's so key to realize the difference between the relationship and a list of to do's religion even Christianity and a lot of our churches, we like to focus on those lists of things that we do. But we need our focus to be on the relationship. That's how we get into the kingdom. And it's, it's so hard. It's kind of hard to wrap our minds around. When we say our faith is not by works, and yet we list all these works, <laughs> Right? that our salvation is not by works and yet there's all these things that that happen it's hard to wrap our mind around the whole package but if to put it simply the gospel the bible in any story that you look at is all about the relationship with god if we focus on the relationship first with god then we almost don't need to worry about these other things because they'll come right but works are, are the body that faith walks around in. Right, exactly. Works are the body that faith w- yeah. walks around in. Yeah. So, so, I mean, it's important to, to clarify, the goats did not do the work. They did not do the works. They didn't, they, they, they didn't do it, but do it out of a bad motive or do it out of apathy or do it out of, you know, they just straight didn't do it. And, um, and so I think what's important, what you're saying is, out of the relationship, a relationship, a deep relationship with Christ, comes the evidence that, whoa, by nature, I loved what you said, naturally, it was just naturally, wait, we did this for you? 
Where were you in all this? I mean, it's just who we are. Yeah. That's just who we are. Well, how can we ever be that way, truly, instead of looking for our own comfort? It, I mean, you that is only by Christ working in us. Yeah. And when you was saying at the beginning, um, I was thirsty and you give me water, um, that reminds me something I've seen in our church and I completely agreed and I understand the feeling Chelsea has when she said she that's something she loved about Nazarenes. And it is something I am so happy to say because uh, specifically talking about water, it reminds me about a mobilizations that the global NYI had had through the justice movement called Just Water, um, where young people were moved with compassions to drink only water. It was just, how many, like a couple of years ago? Mm-hmm. And um, instead of like drink juices, or soft drinks, um, they offered the money of those drinks um, so that they could construct a water wells mm-hmm. for Haiti and Sri Lanka. And I love the way our church even involves the youth to live compassion, and it's something beautiful to see. Um, that, um, as AJ was saying, and, and Scott as well, it's something that, Compassion moves you to do something. It is not only by proclaiming, but you need to do it by action. And I love, I really love to see those pictures that what happened in Sri Lanka and Haiti as well. And but it is the demonstration of this scripture. This is good. You're th- this is a good transition because we always want to on these episodes uh, move kind of from the scripture and from talking about theology and talking about weighty subjects to saying, what does this look like right now? So I guess. The question would be, what are some other examples of churches or, or individuals or times that you've seen this passage, the sheep and the goats, um, embodied? I think one thing, too, um, and again, this isn't going to be super popular theology because we don't like to read it this way, right? But like when you read the text, verse 40 is very indicative, and it says, And the king will answer them, speaking to the sheep who did these Truly, I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. And literally, there are things that we need to be doing with the church. And so, like, I think about when our church is in crisis, there are community initiatives that we have, but Jesus is literally telling the sheep, you took care of my family. And so like I'm thinking about, we've recently come through an earthquake in Haiti and we have a responsibility to help take care of our church people in addition to community. I think sometimes we only apply this to community and like let the church take care of itself. But Jesus literally is saying, when you took care of the church, like that's the collective nature of who we are as church. We take care of each other. And the people that are outside of the church don't take care of the church, right? They have no feeling of even needing to do that. There's a lot of philanthropy that goes on in the world. There are a lot of people that provide water for people that need water. There's a lot of people that eradicate poverty where it needs to be eradicated. There's a lot of people that collect food and and clothing for people that need food and clothing, but they're not doing it because they're a part of the church. And I think we as the church need to keep some of those things in mind. And these people that Jesus, like the list, AJ, when you were talking about, like we like the list, right? Because it's like, oh, check it off, whatever. Anybody that is involved in these circumstances are the marginalized. 
Like read this list as the marginalized. And where is the church called to? We are called to the marginalized. And there are a lot of marginalized in our churches. <laughs> they are not just the people that are outside the church. And I think a very um, healthy and broad way of seeing this is don't just take care of the current church. Take care of the people that are pre-disciples, right? And so that's what forces us into these acts of compassion and compassionate ministry in these areas of marginalized people because we would say that this invitation is for everybody to be a part of. There are not just certain people in the world that are a part of Jesus's kingdom and one day they're going to find him. Everybody has the ability to say yes to that invitation. And we as the church, when we're engaged in these acts, when we're engaged in being a part of community with people, that is how they will be have with they're in a pre-Christ moment in their life and you go and you're a part of giving water or visiting or healing and they're like, why did you do this? And I come in the name of Jesus Christ. Like that literally could be where they turn from the pre-Christ in their life to the, I need to know who this Christ is. Like, why did you come here and do this? So it's as much ministering to the people in our churches that need that help. We have a responsibility to make sure our church is taken care of, but we also have the responsibility to those that are coming into the church. Your, uh, what you just said r- reminds me of Galatians 6.10 that says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Yeah. You're not saying let's exclude anyone that's not within the church or part of our family. But it says, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of yep. believers. Yep. I think it works like a waterfall system. So, like, if we are taking care of using Haiti as my example, the, we have friends on the ground there. And they're saying, like, if we can restore our churches mm-hmm. and take care of our church members, yep. then our church members can actually do a better job of taking care of their neighbors. Right. Um, they don't need missionaries and foreigners to come in. They need their neighbors to come in. They need yeah. people they know and trust to come in and, and offer a helping hand. And so if we, as the church, can take care of our family members our family members can be the evangelistic arm of that. We receive, so we give yeah. um, kind of mentality of that. That's so on point, missiologically, <laughs> because a missionary's job, right, is to, to train the locals to do what the missionary was sent there to do, right? So a missionary's job isn't to come and, and start a church and be the pastor of the church, right? Missionary's job is to come and start a church and let the people— pastor, like let the, a pastor from the community pastor that church. And then the missionary leaves and goes to another place. So like you're saying, in that same vein of thought, the missionary's job isn't to provide resources for people, teach them how to fish, you know, not just give them fish. Mm-hmm. Well, this is good. I, I, thank you guys. I appreciate, um, this discussion and and conversation regarding this passage. I think it's a very important passage. Uh, We've selected it. Remember who we are. I mean, this has a lot to do do with missions. Um, AJ, you just kind of talked about what it means being in even in a different culture, but for any Christian that is listening to this, like it's not just a duty. Like, I mean, it is kind of a requirement, you know, I mean, we've, we've tried to say it. I mean, the parable says, I mean, this is, you know, what we do for others is an eternal thing. 
This is, this is, this makes a difference in our eternal destiny. Revelation says it's our robes of, of white. Our robes of white are the deeds that we did here on earth. And so like, if we want white robes in eternity in Revelation, that image, it's like the deeds that we're practicing here matter for our eternity. Yeah. And, and and we, I I guess I would just say, and we can kind of conclude with this, but just but this comes out naturally. This yep. comes out of just a deep love for Christ, a deep love for service. We are a part of ministries that mobilize the church, that are looking for new missionary candidates. Man, there are candidates that maybe have not studied enough and, and candidates that maybe don't have a lot of experience. But if at the very least they have this passion for God and the world, a passion to serve, man, we can work with that. Uh, we'll get them education late, you know, along the way, and and, uh, and and maybe they'll have experience little by little in other cultures. And but this is the base of it. This is the base, not just of a missionary call, but of being a Christian. So I end with these words. Then the King will say to those who are doing those things, "Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me something to eat." I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. May we be the church that is expressed in this parable. Amen. We are the Worthless Servants and I am Scott Armstrong. I'm Natalie Franco. I'm AJ Fry. I'm Emily Armstrong. And I'm Chelsea Fry. And we'll talk with you next time. For more information, visit us on Facebook or at mesoamericagenesis.org.